Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. This week we're joined by David Hemphill, uh, the one and only. Um, the internet latency was pretty bad for the beginning of this episode, so there's going to be some people talking over each other and some awkwardness, so apologize in advance. Enjoy the episode. What's up? D. Cole, how's it going? It is going well. Also, we have a third member of this uh, very good Zoom call. We do. This is, a, this is a first time for us. It is. But we had to do it. We are joined today by the lovely, wonderful David Hemphill. Hello, David Hemphill. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, sir. Thank you. <laughs> so, David Hemphill, you're a uh, um, little bit about David Hemphill. You wrote pretty much the whole front end to Nova. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And Horizon, too? Oh, yeah, the original version of Horizon. Uh, okay. Front end. Yep. And you have a bunch of SaaS apps, a couple of SaaS apps. Cron Dog, right? Mm hmm. Cron Dog and Push Silver. Cron Dog? Okay. Cron Dog? Yep. Crown dog, Crown and dog push, push silver. silver, and yep. you wrote Beard CSS, which was the original Tailwind. <laughs> before yeah. it was a predecessor. Uh, yeah, that's right. And you helped build Tailwind, so so there's that. I did just enough on Tailwind to get my face on the front page until Adam took it off. <laughs> <laughs> You're still in the like the config file, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the package. Is that going there? Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's all that matters. Um, sweet. So we have you on today because, uh, well, I want you to convince us to whip. <laughs> and you currently you're wearing a hat that says whip, W-I-P. And for listeners following along, um, whip as in work in progress. And David Hemphill, this is one of those things that. I wasn't aware that this was your stance necessarily. I just saw like a tweet or two, like a screenshot of all your commits in a project, and they all said three letters, whip. And I'm like, this dude's crazy. Is this this is this is like a joke? Like he's joking. And then in a couple other tweets where you started repping it like it was like the way you do things, and then I started to get really interested. And then I saw a product description for your new whip hat that's like something about like if your team's still writing commit messages, like unnecessary overhead something like that and i'm like i need to talk to this guy and get to the bottom of this yeah i'm trying to remember what i even wrote on my whip hat which they haven't actually dropped yet but basically whip yeah it started out as a joke just from noticing all the projects that i worked on that just had copious amounts of whip commits and it sort of evolved or maybe just like yeah, it sort of evolved into kind of a philosophy, really. You know, it, it kind of began with this thing that I say sometimes is, is that, you know, there are only two git commit messages you actually need. And that's the first one's init, you know, the the first commit with all the framework shit that you don't actually put any code on. And then whip, which is all your code. And 
you know, like any joke, it, I like to blow it out of proportion and kind of <laughs> <laughs> use it to troll communities. Um, okay, so uh, talk me through talk me through this, right? So uh, here's the value of commit messages, right? That commit <laughs> messages are valuable in the following way. Uh, number one, they tell you what a piece of code is. So you, you wait, you're still doing pull requests though, right? Yeah. So you... And the pull requests are just full of whip commits. <laughs> yeah. And the, the and occasional they, they all style get... CI merge and the uh-huh, merging uh-huh. from master or whatever. And so then all of those whip commits get squashed in the PR and you just end up with a pull request commit name. Yeah. Sometimes. Depends on the project. Okay, so sometimes you're just whipping straight to master. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. <laughs> all right. So here, see, I feel like if it was all pull requests and like all the whips were disappearing, then I, I would be fine with it. But the, uh, the whipping to master it just seems very, very bad. Yeah, it's cowboy, um, man. Real cowboy. Dude, it's rough. Uh, so the here's the two things. So let's let. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you talk me off of these. But here's the two things that uh, commit messages do. Number one, it lets you go back and, like, uh, like if you have to, like, go find a bug or go find, like, where a conflict came from or, like, any of that shit, you're like, oh, it was probably in the commit called, like, introduce a bunch of conflicts or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, and to me, the better thing that they do is, like, they let me see, like, oh, Remember all that work on like uh, refactoring the authentication? Like, what week did I work on that? Oh, like let me just scroll down the list of commits to like refactor the authentication, and I see it was on April third or whatever. And now I know, like, I don't know. Those are the things that are valuable to me. Why commit even? Like, it's just whip, you know? Just <laughs> well, yeah. why not just like get commit amend the init commit all the time that would be great actually i think <laughs> <laughs> and then get push force yeah force That's... everything to have like the first commit every commit is the first commit that'd be great honestly oh my god i don't i guess i don't have that many problems where i have to go back and and look at the code it's kind of like like down methods and migrations i just never use them mm. you know mm. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I it's pretty infrequently. Like I could probably count them on one hand the amount of times I've had to go further back than the past few. Um, like sometimes I have to like not squash, but um, like well I'll revert a commit, but it's usually like the latest commit that I just did. Um, you know, undo a commit or whatever. But going back farther and like reading and seeing what one does, like that that's based on the fact that each one says exactly what it does. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm pretty bad about like if I do a bunch of related work, the com- like I, I write compound commit messages a lot because I'm like, well, I could write one commit message, but this actually does two things. So I could split it into two and manually like pick out the changes, but one file might have changes from both like domain, you know, concepts. Mm-hmm. So I just write I just put like an and symbol in there, and I don't know. I I guess I commit a lot, but it's not. I don't know. I'm not super. It, my commits aren't perfect, and I think unless your commits are perfect, then the whole promise of being able to just kind of hop around and you know pick like pick stuff out, cherry pick stuff, revert stuff distantly, stuff like that, just kind of dissolves. So, dude, but it's not like a binary thing, right? It's like it's a it's a spectrum from like 
I have no commits and everything is just amended to whip to like I have perfect <laughs> Linus Torvalds commits and I can just like cherry pick features out and build my own Linux distro out of them, mm-hmm. right? Like there's some there you can be somewhere along the spectrum. Like you can get bisect even if your commits aren't perfect or so, you know something like that. So, but the 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 biggest question is how how often do you use those messages? And for real decal, like how often do you are those messages helpful to you in programming? Uh, like when was the last time that you used I don't them? think that's I think you're framing the question wrong. <laughs> I don't think it's how often do you use them? It's it's like how often do you use the fire extinguisher in your kitchen? Like almost never except when I did it saved my house from burning down. <laughs> you Have know? you saved your house from burning down with with the fire extinguisher of No, uh, but I did actually I did save the the New Orleans Zoo from burning down one time with a fire extinguisher. Wow. I was uh, this is what you're I was a hero. I was in the fish taco industry. We were uh, we were selling fish tacos at an event at the New Orleans Zoo, and uh, the neighboring food vendor had like a four foot tall propane tank, and uh, it started spurting fire out the top. Oh. And I was like, "This propane tank is going to explode. All of us are going to die, and like a lot of things are going to burn." And I like leapt into action and jumped over like there were like these like guardrails. I like jumped over a guardrail with a fire extinguisher and put it out mid-flight fire it was it was like one of the most clutch moments of my entire existence (laughs) that's pretty sweet so do you think that it's reasonable not now that you've done that once to carry around a fire extinguisher like with you like in a backpack everywhere you go uh no but everywhere that i am cooking outdoor with propane i'd probably have a fire extinguisher with me so the cost of having a fire extinguisher around when you're cooking like they're just in kitchens and they're in houses, so that's done. Like, what if you had to go out and buy a fire extinguisher every time you were gonna cook? Uh, what if you just put it in your car? Right. Well, you can't just put the work of writing a commit message. Sure, you can in your car. It's not done. No, you, it is. You have to do that work every time. Yeah, but you just if you just do it right, then it becomes a part of your brain. It becomes a part of your hands. Sure, you but it's still work that it. you're doing. Yeah, so is putting on underwear every day. Exactly, and if you can avoid it, you should. <laughs> it's hygiene, I man. don't disagree. It's hygiene. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm pretty on board with this whip thing. The reason I, I wanted to have you on is because it's one of those things that I, I see and I'm like, oh, I... I could see myself doing that. Like I, I could go there. Cause one, I just t- sort of tend towards that mentality. Like anytime somebody's just calling bullshit on something, I'm like, yeah, I want in on that. Yeah. Uh, so, but I got to check myself and make sure that, that, uh, that, that what we're doing is, is okay. I don't know um, that this is necessarily an original thought though. Cause I, I have always felt that developer guilt, you know, when I didn't use good get commit messages, you know, sometimes I'm like debugging something yeah. at a, at a company and then it's just like, crap this doesn't work or hopefully this works you know and eventually get down that debugging train where you're like got 50 commits in the master just trying to fix something hot on production but actually (laughs) the 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 framework creator taylor is the one that like really cemented this idea in me for my work with you know like i've worked on forge spark horizon you know all these sorts of things and they're just littered with whip (laughs) <laughs> and once I embraced the whip, it was like, it was, it was no, nobody died. You know, there was no fires anywhere. If you broke something, you just fixed it in the next whip. 
And oh, that's beautiful. I did not that, know that. That's <laughs> so painful. Um, oh man. So here's, you gotta work. Uh, I'm not gonna start with you. Gotta. I gotta. I gotta work from a list of tasks, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've gotta have like nice, clearly defined tasks. Blah blah blah. blah. And because otherwise, what happens is I get into my code base, I start seeing things that like, oh, I should do something about that. Yeah. I get halfway down. <laughs> a, I get halfway down it. I thrash. You know, I like reinvent uh, providers or something. Mm-hmm. You know, real quick, and then I like move on to some. You know, and like by the end of it, like I've written a ton of code and accomplished no things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I have to like have a like a mind that is structured by like a Trello board or some GitHub issues or something like that mm-hmm. in order for me to like keep my mind in check and like write little pieces of code that do little things. And like because I have to do that or else I just like spin completely out into insanity, um, I think that's why I value commit messages so much is that they like reflect that order that I entered into the process with and then if I'm just gonna whip 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 there's no reflection of like of what those correspond to like there's no symmetry whereas like if I have like a github issue called like um allow users to join a team Mm -hmm. and then I write the code that allows a user to join a team and I write users can join a team test and then it passes. Then I just say like, "Git commit you allow users to join a team," and I push. And I'm like, "Ooh, this beautiful symmetry!" Like at the beginning, there was an issue called this. Now there's a test called this, and now there's a commit called this. And it's like this beautiful stream from start to finish. Yeah, maybe that's like a reflective of my situation, my current working situation, working full time on Nova, is that. When I wake up, I don't necessarily have a big list of tasks that I have to do. Like, I'm starting to, to bullet journal now just because I want to have, like, the sense of, like, accomplishment and structure. And I can look back at notebooks. But when I wake up in the morning, it's not necess- It's not like I've got to get X, Y, Z done today. It's like, let's see what people are complaining about the most on in the help scout or <laughs> in the issue board. Yeah, or yeah, what's, yeah. What fan- what's tickles my fancy today or what PRs do I need to merge from? contributors and it's sort of like there's a bit of a chaos or or i would like to describe it as like freedom i just kind of like pick and choose the thing i want to do um but nova might be a bad example now because we've had to because of allowing contributors to come in and watch the the changes they want to see more um, commit messages more descriptive commit messages (laughs) no way (laughs) that's hilarious yeah interesting I will still whip right to master if if there's something I know absolutely <laughs> fixes it. I, I won't even. I'll I'll say whip and then I'll go manually close the issue that it addresses. Oh and man! Like manually respond. Yeah, yeah. So so what what let's let's get straight the utilities of commit messages as we see them. So D Cole, you just said that um, one of the benefits of commit messages is, is to sort of express your, your mental like framework for going about a group of tasks. Uh, yeah, sort of. And to like, to reflect that, like the things I intended to do got done, Mm -hmm. you know? Gotcha. Okay. So, right, right, right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a reflection of, of your organizational whatever. Right. Okay. And then there's obviously like reading, 
stuff about the code in the history with the purpose of either changing something or going and, you know, looking deeper into some change or something like that. Um, which I think is probably the most obvious, like accepted one. Um, are there any other like util? Uh, here's a utility for me of commits. Well, I guess this is just of commits in general, so it doesn't matter if you're whipping or not, but, um, I, I, you know, the not alias Jeffrey's not alias N A H. Yeah. It's like a bash. It, yeah. It's just like, so people call it different stuff. I, everybody's got their own like word for it. Basically it's like, get, I don't reset even know hard. the actual get reset hard. Head yeah, head till day one or something. It basically it just it it takes whatever is in your um whatever unstaged files or I don't know maybe even staged like anything that you haven't committed it just poof like it just destroys it all. And I use that like a lot actually. So if I'm working on something, if I'm about to work on something that I I want to be able to back out of no matter how far I go and I'm just kind of unsure about it, I just commit and then I work and then I I either not or I commit again. So it's that sort of commit commit utility that doesn't really matter what the name is so maybe this isn't even relevant but it's at least relevant to say what why do you commit at all like that's that's a reason for me why i commit that's a very like real life i do this all the time thing are there any other utility like benefits of commit messages that that you guys can think of for a guy who loves naming things so fucking much (laughs) you would think (laughs) You would think that you would enjoy the opportunity to name a piece of work. Yeah, you know? I guess so. Well, well, my I I I really hate. Um, yeah, this is funny. You're right because like, what? Why do I not like calling things data and item and stuff like that? It's like whip is sort of oh, or hedgehog or hedgehog. <laughs> we should take a quick tangent and debut the new. Oh my gosh! Hedgehog so variable. someone tweeted basically a group of hedgehogs is apparently called an array. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> like, like by group of, he- he's talking like, like groups of animals. Yeah. That have so like you like a pack. Yeah. Like you, a murder. Yeah. Birds. You have a flock of right, birds yeah. and a school of fish. Apparently you have an array of hedgehogs. And so someone was like, so now every item in an array is called a hedgehog. Um, which is great because all we had before was item, which is a terrible nondescriptive noun. Or member. Um, which is- or member. Yeah. And now we have hedgehog, have hedgehog, which is equally as meaningless, but more fun. That's great. Yeah, I hope great. you use that in your projects. I think I'm, I'm. I'm seeing Sonic the Hedgehog right now in my head. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It works. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so naming things, why, why would I not want to name this? I, I remember when I first encountered someone who had a really strong opinion on naming convention for commit messages. And I think this is kind of widely accepted, but uh, commit messages should be imperative and yep. present tense. So yep. where I would do things like I added this, be like, no, it has to be imperative, meaning like a command, like mm-hmm. add this. So, and the, the thinking behind that is like, you think of it, like if you apply this commit to your current code, like what would it do to your code if you applied this commit? So a commit as a transformation, not as a log, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that really jived with me. I, it, I was like, Ooh, this is, it's the same feeling I had when, um, when I think uh, like Titan was my first introduction to this or Matt, one of his projects, I submitted a PR and he's like, you have to alphabetize your CSS properties. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, that's, that's great. Like you just brought order to something that before my brain was going, okay, well, you know, the margins kind of go together and the paddings that's kind of related. So that kind of goes together and then color, but you know, text color and then background, wait, 
but this one's kind of related to this one. Now, where do I put this one? And you know what I'm saying? So you quickly mm-hmm. end up in this, this decision-making tree that's vague and fuzzy and ultimately meaningless. So if we can just alphabetize these things, just say, screw it to the order. Like I found freedom in that. So I found similar freedom in this, like, just go imperative and present tense. But there's still tons of little micro decisions that happen in that naming process of commits. Like you write, uh, if you test drive something, do you write a separate commit for the tests first? And often like I write a little bit of code while I'm writing the test. So do I like have to separate those or is one feature the whole thing? I don't know. There's so many little decisions. And, and do I call this thing like, right, if I add a whole test thing in there, do I just say it's the feature or do I say it's the feature and the tests? And do I say, you know, and like we talked about before, do you include tangential things that you added along the way? Or do you like not stage them specifically? Like it's just so hard. And so the concept of being able to just clean whip is like, ooh, that could be super freeing. If I can just like justify this enough publicly, then I I will be, I'll be better off. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, developers always want like absolutes and heuristics that tell them that they're doing a good job you know, that are yeah, totally, <laughs> yes. And especially Caleb, and especially when, me. Yeah. And within teams, you definitely probably need more order. I don't know what the exact number of team members it is where that, that becomes more useful. In, in my opinion, three to five, it doesn't tend to be that, you know, mm-hmm. the complexity that the ads and the mental framework you have to maintain that isn't worth the, isn't worth the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, I guess. Yeah, no, that's um, perfect. But it, it's it's all those heuristics and things that we use that make us feel good. Eventually, they become like cemented in people's minds as like absolute truths, and and they present yeah. them as such. And that's kind of like what whip is like. Um, whip is like an expression of protest <laughs> against like <laughs> the dogmatism of elite programmers. That is it. You know. It's just totally. like being tired of people telling people how to code as if it's an absolute fact in every situation from the, the smallest project to the largest project. Um, you know, but that's me. I've always had a rebellious streak, you know, and I've always yeah. kind of been like a contrarian provocateur. <laughs> like one of my bosses described me as I'm a fish that always like to, likes to swim upstream heard that yeah yeah that that spirit i mean that i think you perfectly captured it and that's that was my feeling when i first encountered the whip thing was like whoa this is exactly like that it asks a question of every anyone who gazes upon this proposition they ask the question i i believe they would if they're not too defensive to not even ask this question do you need commit messages? You know, which is a crazy question that you don't think to ask at all. And just just the fact that you asked it tickles my fancy. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when Adam did like ZTTP and like didn't follow PSR yes, stuff exactly, and yeah, wrote no docs and was just like, if you want to use it, like read the tests. Right. That's the docs. <laughs> like get out of here. Adam sort of the great king project. of that. It, yeah, the. Him not using public, I think, was that for me in ZTTP. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like that was the one thing that I was like, "Well, yeah, why do I? Why? Why do all my tests say public function? You know, mm-hmm. like what? What does the public mean in my test? Is it even? You know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. That's one of those things that embodies that spirit of web. Even though they use uh, actual commit messages on that project, it's on ZTTP. It still <laughs> embodies the spirit behind it that. Especially now that with Nova being sort of a higher 
visibility project, we can prove that all of those best practices, while good and useful, and they're good to learn and have on certain teams, they're not necessarily silver bullets to make your code better, make your product yeah. work better, or you make your company work, make more money. Um, and that you can like make a successful project being a cowboy programmer or cowboy coder right with whip i mean that's what's that's where i find freedom and stuff like that and i like and i like kind of providing a little bit of a, a contrast to the the absolutes that people present right yeah 100 percent um so you, you touched on something with like like, well, I mean, I, I, I like the way you put it that, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you can use those things, but, but to not consider them silver bullets. Um, I'm, I'm hearing someone, I'm hearing a voice in my head listening to this and saying, yeah, but you guys are all Laravel developers and Laravel developers are all like this. Cause everybody at Laravel at the top, like you, you end up out of client work and you're just working on Laravel stuff and it's all like small isolated projects. And it, you know, like I'm thinking of, um, I guess I mean Titan is an is an agency and like at Titan I worked on some some big projects but um, at least right now I I don't know like I think this this is a known uh, criticism of the community right like Jeffrey Way is teaching everybody but he's working on one application Laracasts mm-hmm. you know Taylor he's working on Forge and you know like that mm-hmm. sort of thing like you don't get it man like you're not in the enterprise you don't understand like in team scenarios we can't just be whipping everything and the fact that you're poisoning the the, the youth. It's, it's like a danger. So, so yeah. what, what, what do you think about, about that, about that, like on teams and bigger groups? And is this, you know, is this a dangerous thing to poison the minds of the youth with? <laughs> hmm. Can't fight against the youth. <laughs> I guess what I'm wondering is like, can we, can we steel man the argument of. Yeah, you can. I think you can. I think it's like this. I think youth should be poisoned. And they should enter every enterprise that they enter as like little pieces of shit who are going to, you know, be really annoying and opinionated and eventually be broken by making stupid mistakes. Like if their spirit is going to be broken, it should be broken because like they messed up in a big way. Right. Mm -hmm. Not because like we're going to preemptively break your spirit just because you're here. You know, like I think I think that's it. And so it's like, yeah, a lot of things I wanted to do when I was young uh, a young developer, you know, I don't do now because turns out they weren't smart. Um, but those things happened as a result of like me breaking, <laughs> breaking production projects or, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and so the wisdom only comes from experience. The wisdom doesn't ever come from advice. Uh, so if the advice is like, if all the advice that you're hearing on Twitter and stuff is just like, do all of this stuff because it's fun then you'll go do it because it's fun. You'll break one production project and then you'll learn which of that advice was wise and which of it was just fun. Yeah. It's like when everybody was getting into repositories, you know, all of the, the writing was about, you got to use repositories. It's the biggest thing. I'm like, okay, that sounds official and right. And, and I yeah. used it and my code got worse mostly. And I'd still forced it down my project's throat because I was wanted to be a good programmer TM. And right. And my project suffered as a result and anything like that, you know, using fillable and on your models is another example of stuff. You know, I'm a guarded equals empty array, you know, <laughs> you know, yep. or any of the things that are coming up, especially with PHP's um, development, you know, return types, you know, 
or any criticism of Laravel, like facades and global helpers and stuff like that, anything like that. It's just like there's there are scenarios where those don't offer any value to the development process. They sometimes, a lot of times, hurt developer ergonomics. You know, yeah. They, and so, might maybe it works for your team, and that's good, and you guys can agree on that. But it's definitely there's people that are making enough money to survive with you know single person or you know less than five people teams making a lot of money just whipping Do, doing whip commits <laughs> yeah that is great that yeah. is dandy yeah that's that, some, go ahead Deco. some quality rant i yeah. appreciate it <laughs> totally i mean i have to offer the disclaimer that i'm not a good programmer <laughs> by any means so i got my start editing html and in, in notepad on a 486 computer and checking my results the next day at school because i didn't have a web uh-huh. browser on my computer uh-huh. like Oof. so you know and i dropped out of tech school i don't have a degree and nice. i haven't worked in a lot of structured team environments and when i have i've always been the fish that swims upstream yeah you know yeah. i had a, a team where uh we were using just normal, just plain CSS. And then I started learning about SAS and all these preprocessors and I just started using them. And I never assumed that I had to ask to do this, but I was, I got raked over the coals and was told never to use SAS again. And don't introduce a new piece of the project because it hurt the whole team because somebody eventually had to look at my project after I was done with it. And they're like, what is all this code? What is all these, uh, yeah. uh, you know, includes and variables and nested CSS crap. And I got in trouble for that kind of stuff. And that stuff always just bothered me like these. Dude, remember back in the day when I, I inherited so many projects like this, where the original original developer had installed like lesser SAS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another developer had inherited it and started directly editing the CSS and never compiling. Yeah, yeah. And then I inherited it, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me there are SAS files, but I can't trust them. And if I compile them, I'm going to remove six months of work. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah, it was bad. That. It was rough. <laughs> so, yeah, th- that's funny because in the, in the C- like, I could see a meta case that, like, CSS and SAS are another example of, like, why are you using SAS? Like, why don't you just use freaking CSS for your small thing? Like, why do you need your whole build process? But that's mm-hmm. that's another conversation. To your point, uh, this is something that I was actually thinking about um, in the shower before getting on this call. <laughs> My hair is still wet, if you were wondering. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking about, like, team, like, uh, that uh, a team I was on last year, two years ago, pretty big, like, enterprise-type company, and there were like lots of different technologies used it was the, the 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 spirit in the air was more like um you know we're we're general technologists you know like you could be put on a project and there's like node um yeah like you the th- redis you know you could be using who knows what stack elastic search um event sourcing paradigms microservicing whatever anything like we're all technologists we use the modern tools so whatever's available that's you know it's at your you, you can use that but what happened is that like the guy who wrote the thing he's the guy you know like oh yeah he wrote that yeah he manages that because you know like there's kind of this lingering thing where like yeah i really don't want to crack open that box i don't know how i don't know how to write elasticsearch queries like 
I don't, I don't want to go down, you know, so he's the guy who does all that. So that's just how it works is everybody kind of gets grouped when you're using all those different technologies and tools and people are just sort of deciding for themselves. Oh, there was another, there was like an elite crew that like, they were like the elites and they, they, they had to do this new project. So they wrote it in Go because they're like, oh, Go's the thing to do. And that was the only project in the company that was in Go. And they were the only people who knew Go. So they like kind of like were off here and everybody like supported them, but then they were the only guys who could work on it and whatever. So I I definitely like firsthand experienced the whole like, whoa, if everybody just used Laravel, if everybody used the same exact tool set and just played by the rules, we could all like be useful and, and jump into anything, which goes against what my brain wants. My brain wants to do whatever the hell I want to do. Mm -hmm. And and just you know add like use the tech that i need to use i understand it i'm gonna work on it let me do it you know but anyway so that that's maybe a counterpoint that in that's point for uh like general technologists everybody expert and everything i don't know yeah yeah i think that's generally i think that vibe works up into a certain point right as long as you're like uh and I know that like a lot of teams are remote. I work on a remote team, but like as long as you're like virtually sitting within arm's length of the person who wrote the code, and you can just grab them and have them pair on it with you, I think it's like yeah, do whatever you want. Like just grab random technologies and try them out and do whatever. As soon as you have like forty people, and like that person might be in a day long meeting, and you just can't have access to them, and everything grinds to a halt because of the size of the company, uh, then I think it's like you should standardize that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. There's so many micro um like friction points within that. Like let's say that there's a new developer on the team and he's too intimidated to ask the you know the lead developer is the person who wrote the thing and he's just too intimidated or thinks he's too busy or you know whatever just doesn't or doesn't want to look dumb or, or doesn't want to look dumb. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, I remember being in that position totally that like yeah, I mean, so I would just turn a blind eye to it be like I don't I don't know how that works. I'm I'm going to let's just I just cross my fingers and hope that the next sprint I'm still on this project in this code base, you know, to be like, oh, if I can just stay in this code base, this is where, you know, I know what's up. I don't know what's up over there and they're going to find out that I don't know what's up and then I'm going to be found out, you know. So that's a, do we talk about this enough? Do we talk about like I feel like this is something we should talk about more on this podcast. Um don't stop trying to be smart stop trying to pretend that you're smart if you don't know what you're talking about because you create so many more problems trying to not get found out as being dumb than you do just asking like the number of times i've tried to like hide my ignorance about something uh and like it it always ends with a situation where inevitably i have to go ask someone or i spend like six hours figuring out something that should have taken 10 minutes uh like it's just like just ask just go ask people questions grab people get them to pair with you be dumb don't know things like and even on this podcast like sometimes caleb will just be saying something and i'll be like "Uh uh-huh 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 and then i'm like wait wait wait. don't uh uh-huh like caleb stop explain the thing to me yeah because yeah it's just like it's not productive at all to pretend that you know it's like not knowing a team member's name or somebody really close to you that you should know their name and then you wait like a few weeks later and the problem just gets a lot worse and it's too late and then you have to invent like strategies like this one that i have when i (laughs) i have a really bad time with names and so if i don't know somebody's name and then i need to learn it absolutely and there's no other way to do it but to ask them i'll be like i'll ask them something like 
what's your name again? And they'll mm-hmm. say, of course, it's, you know, Caleb. And you're like, no, no, your last name. But, <laughs> you know, like, if, if that appropriate, that if that situation is clever, appropriate. my friend. And they'll go, oh, yeah, oh. Porzio. Yeah. And it's like, oh, good. That but, is my, hilarious. But it'd be better if I just remember the name, right? Do you guys watch The Office? There, there's that episode where, like, the new boss is in and he doesn't like Jim. And Jim, he's like, he's like, Jim, I need these reports or I, I need you to run. I forget what it was. He's like, I, I need you to do a rundown. Yeah. He's like, I need that rundown. And he's like, and Jim just says, yeah, okay. And then he's like, what's a rundown? And the whole episode <laughs> is Jim like kind of waltzing and being like, yeah. So with the rundown, are you thinking that you would want, and then he just kind of leaves it open ended and, mm-hmm. and the whole episode is him not, and he ends up faxing his dad, like, what is like a, a picture, like a hand-drawn picture or something instead of, yeah. So it's excellent. It's yeah, like when definitely. in Seinfeld, if you've ever watched those, where uh, Jerry Frig- doesn't remember Dolores' name, but he knows that <laughs> oh, her like name it's reminds like a with female. A, yeah, with a female body part, it rhymes with that. Mulva? <laughs> Mulva. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah. Um, so, yeah. Um, you can also uh, make like a funny joke about uh, your driver's license picture and how stupid you look and be like, let me see your driver's yeah, license yeah, yeah, picture. Yeah, 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 stuff like oh, that. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, David Hempel, I have a question for you. you. You say you're not a good programmer. You just said you're not a good programmer. And I know, and, and then the example you gave is like, yeah, I didn't go to college. You know, like, like okay, come on. Like, you're, you know, I'm not a good programmer. I didn't go to college, but I work on X, Y, Z, you know, right. So I want to know for real, like, do you actually think you're a good programmer? And in what ways do you think you are and you aren't? I'm just going to go there. <laughs> I think I think I can get things done. Um, I One of my personal mottos is to learn everything that I can and use as little as possible. Um, mm. And so, like, I try to, like, be well-versed in all of the whole web development thing. And, and my personal like enjoyment comes from building a thing from start to finish. So like, I don't like specializing very much, which means that I'm not like a master at any one thing. I'm just kind of okay at some things. Um, but I mean, I, I can get stuff done. Obviously I could build things like Nova and, and, but there's a lot of times where I'm still looking through our, our source code that the parts that Taylor wrote. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on here. And like I'm even such embarrassed a bad to programmer ask, like, that, <laughs> yeah. like that it's you just, just can't even. Talk. Yeah, like I'm just not on this level. I have to figure out and go down the whole rabbit hole of how does this thing work? And yeah, but no, I don't think of myself as very good. I just I'm really persistent, and so I've done it for a long time and just layered on little skills that were hard learned, and then eventually I became dangerous enough that I could build stuff on my own without anybody yeah. else's help. Caleb, I forget. Did you graduate? No, I dropped out. Yeah. As well. So none of us, none of us have a college degree, <laughs> and we all dropped out too. Yeah. Right? Uh, well, I was, I was dropped out. You, yeah, we all were dropped <laughs> out. Some of us were dropped out. Yeah. I was, I was dropped. Um, but yeah, college, uh, d- college did very little for this podcast right now. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, I dropped out. Um, I was in a web yeah, application the- development course or at tech school i was on a web application development like path pathway and the uh-huh. the instructor the main instructor i had worked at some big company in town that 
does mainframe crap. And they were doing a basics, uh, HTML basics thing. And they were like, to make a list of items, you just create a bunch of break tags after every line. And I was just like, no, this is, this is <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. And so like, it just came to, to head that I could not like sit in a class where somebody was obviously so wrong about stuff and was working had never worked on the web really at all. Um, you know, they were more like That's Fortran rough. and COBOL type programmer, but yeah. they were just teaching this HTML application development class. And so I wound up dropping out after that. Plus I was making money professionally already. So yeah, I decided to skip the whole degree part. Yeah. Similar stories here, I imagine, for D. Cole. I don't know. I don't actually know. Uh, no, I just like wandered into a programming job from the restaurant industry. <laughs> so, but you were, did you program before tacos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you did. Uh-huh. So you knew how to program in PHP? Yeah, so my dad was a programmer oh. uh, a long, long time ago. He wrote like C for the NSA. Mm. Um, and so... At some point, I wanted to get a laptop when I was, like, 15 or whatever. Or, like, someone gave me a laptop, I think. And the deal was, like, you can keep this laptop that was freely given to you if you install Linux on it and learn C. And so I did. Wow, that's <laughs> And so cool. my dad made me learn C. And it wasn't like I learned it well, you know? Yeah. I just learned, like, like, I think I made, like, a golf scorecard like a terminal driven golf scorecard app for like when you have access to a, a terminal when you're golfing course. yeah <laughs> but like you know like you would put in like what the par of all the holes was and how yeah. many players there were and it would just like sort of go and be like what did player one get on hole one what did player two get on hole one what, you know and like yeah. at the end it would calculate everyone's scores and print it out in a little table um and so like that was basically the extent of my C knowledge. And I learned some HTML and stuff. And I guess I'm, I made a couple sites for like my parents, friends and stuff. And then didn't really do much else. Got more into like, uh, having servers and stuff. Like I got real into like the like torrenting world and stuff. And Ooh. so then I got, I had like seed boxes and stuff. Oh, and, wow vpn stuff so i was like you you that whole... oh i, I was just a hard, leech dude. oh no no i had i had elite, i had elite status on some very some very prominent trackers yeah you got to keep that um, up, man on those those private trackers uh-huh you gotta do it so anyway that that like led me back into programming a little bit and then after college i started freelancing a little bit and yeah bob's your uncle and what bob's your uncle that's correct. Uncle Bob. He, he, he very much is your uncle. Yeah, all right. So so whip, convincing. I Are you convinced to whip, Decole? No, but <laughs> I, I'm convinced that uh, David Hemphill's... I'm convinced that David Hemphill is doing a good thing by protesting in public. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> That's very nice. I, I, I'm going to try out the whipping... Um, it's funny because I I don't have met like tons of arguments against it, but I still feel like it's crazy. It feels wrong. I have a ton well. of arguments against it for a team, but not for an individual developer, unless you're like psychotic like I am and need symmetry. Like, so I'm working on Liveware right now, and there's been like tons of tons of like rabbit holes that I've had to go down, um, and I've I've had to rip out things a bunch and. 
and that's the part of me that's like i i'm kind of glad i know that somewhere back there because multiple times i've told myself like okay like if i just remember that you that you went down this hole and if you need to go back to it it's in a commit you know over here mm-hmm. so that's sort of in the back of my head that i would be wasting a ton of time if i ever had to redo stuff and if i had to find it myself interesting so if you need to find something if i need to find something i'm generally not looking through commit messages i'm generally uh get blaming and yeah. finding i'm generally finding a line or a file that i know is going to have the change somewhere ago because it's in my head and then i get blame then i find the line and then i just go past down commits until i find the commit hash and then I look at that commit. Mm-hmm. So one place, right? Problem solved, right? Yeah. One place commit messages are dope uh, is in any time that you have like automated deploys or something, and you want to see if the currently deployed version is the version you think it is. You can go look, and it will tell you what version it just deployed. Uh, because by the commit message. And if they all say whip, then you'll not know which whip it is. I haven't run into this. Where where are uh, you seeing this? I think Forge does it. I know Jenkins does it. Um I mean I hit deploy and I wait till it says deployed. Right, right. But say for some reason okay, say you didn't have automated deploys, I mean, right? So say you were deploying. Yeah. Uh and you had deployed like five times that day. Yep. You know, and you just don't remember, did I deploy before or after I made this set of changes? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, How would you know? I don't know if I ever really asked myself that question, but do they show commit hashes on Forge in that interface or whatever? I guess they do. Yeah. So you would then have to go just figure out what that commit hash referenced and what changes were in that commit hash. Yeah. So then you have to open GitHub to know that. Whereas... If you had just described the changes in uh, some sort of a message appended to that commit, then maybe that information would just be right there at your fingertips. True enough. True enough. All right. Well, I think I might whip in a knit. You, you also a knit, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the only other acceptable git commit message is a knit. I think, I think you, Hempel, on your next project should just git commit amend to init the entire thing. Just push just, force. Just one yeah it is get push force i like it wow. i mean i like commits but i don't necessarily like naming my commits naming is hard enough yeah there you go as it is i'm usually just trying to find like the block of code that i know there was this huge big red block of code in this commit where there was you know like this little piece mm-hmm. over here this little semicolon that i need to look at where that was and yep or I'm messing with this middleware that kind of stuff yep same here mm-hmm. heard that heard that anything else we need to cover here fellas hmm i got nothing we're good, good. podcast good podcast good chat thanks for joining us david hempill thank you thank you get yourself this a hat is... get you a a whip hat <laughs> yeah. yeah so where hey. where does one find these whip hats well you can go to gum.co slash wip crack so it's a Gumroad site, gum.co slash whipcrack. Sweet. Whipcrack. And you can also get the other controversial subject, uh, Laravel Elite. You can get one of those t-shirts there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I've always like poking the bear. Yep. You got to do it. Um, is there any anything you want to like rep while you're here? Any like, I don't know, sites, anything you want to say to our 
our user to follow you or whatever. <laughs> you, I mean, I guess you could follow me on Twitter where I'll uh, occasionally poke the bear of elite programmers. Um, also, buy yourself a Nova license. I mean, couldn't hurt yeah. to have one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> totally. Or, or don't. I'm not your dad. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> That's great. All right. Excellent. Well, pleasure having you on, Mr. Hempel. Uh, any other announcements we need to make here, Decol? Um, no. I mean, okay, so new feed, new podcast, new us. Uh, maybe give us an iTunes rating. I think there's only two right now. So okay. that that's good for us, I think. I think there's some sort of an algorithm somewhere that cares about that. Yeah. Like, but I don't know what everybody it is says, or to what it like the, the see that's the thing people say to do it and that's why i think that it matters but it might not actually matter um yeah so itunes i just actually wrote a blog post that uh i'll get out there in a minute um on how we came up with our logo like uh-huh. um i didn't actually tell decole that i did i told you i was gonna do this but um, you told me you were gonna but then you like to work in secret yeah so we spent an absurd amount of time designing this freaking logo and I just felt like it would have all been wasted time if somebody didn't at least see how many logos we designed. Because <laughs> there's really like 15 logos. And it's funny because this logo looks like we like shit it out in 12 minutes. <laughs> but <laughs> actually, David Hemphill was one of the you were like, I sent something to you and and you were like oh, the illustration. And you're like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. If you like colored that up or whatever. I don't know what you said. If you like polished it up, colored it up, could be dope or something like that. And it kind of renewed my faith in it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. This could actually be cool. And then when it's, we were, because we I trashed it. perfect. And then we did we a bunch of other it, ones. we came back. And then we waited like a week and we're like, we got to get something out. And I was like, well, David and Hemphill like this one. So, you know. We should, yeah, yeah. So at least, like, at least we you, got one guy who digs it. So <laughs> if you looked at the Push Silver logo, um, it's basically a circle. It's like a Pac-Man that's rotated to the 45 degree or negative 45 degrees. And then I had this one product that I worked on called tint and the logo was basically the word tint and a triangle it was just a triangle there was no like cutouts or anything like that i love stuff like that you just ship it whip it yep whip it whip and it, ship, ship it, it. <laughs> whip it and ship it that's good yeah 100%. dude ghost riding the whip let's go yeah yep whip and I'm, ship. Lo- love I'm it. looking into starting another podcast that is related to this sort of area of programming to offer sort of a, oh yeah an alt <laughs> sort of view programming (laughs) the alt scene yep so excellent just go follow david hemphill and you'll go follow that guy yeah find the stuff uh quick quick little um david hemphill uh love monologue i i think you're you're like a you're like the sleeper of the laravel community not that you're like asleep but that that like i don't know like there's a lot of other people who rep themselves a lot more and have like equal amounts of uh, skill, at least as I at least as I see. So, um, so definitely follow David Hempel because he's one of those guys. That you're like, oh, like you you have all of these, I don't know, like things that you've done and ways that you do things that are like unique and awesome. But you haven't like blogged about him a ton and haven't you know told a bunch of people or written a bunch of courses. So <laughs> you're one of those untapped minds that I that I'm like, oh, like this guy's got some value here. So so go Thank follow you. David Hempel. That's the moral of the story. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's it for the show. So thanks everybody for listening in. Bye. Bye.